Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. So, this is the podcast, episode 234. My name is Douglas Wilson, and I am glad you decided to climb on board. Good to have you here. As I'm recording this, the uh, confirmation hearings for President Biden's uh, nominee for the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, or Jackson Brown, I forget which way, I forget which way it goes. Uh, and she, in response to some questioning uh, about what is a woman, said she couldn't define a woman because, I quote, I am not a biologist. This is striking on a number of levels. It was self-evidently a cop-out because the president promised to nominate a woman to this position, and she's, she's sitting in that seat because she is one. If the, if the president is to be believed, which he probably isn't, but as a normal pattern, if, if the president is to be believed on something like this, he knew what he meant when he promised to nominate a woman. The country knew what he meant when he promised to nominate a woman. She knew what he meant when he promised to nominate a woman because she probably thought something like, oh, I'm in contention. I'm in the running because I am a woman. But then when she's asked during the confirmation hearings if uh, she can define a woman, she says she sidesteps it, says, I'm not a biologist. Now, think about this for a minute. I think the whole transgender movement, as I recently tweeted, is a fifth column designed to destroy feminism. It's certainly destroying women's sports and the whole concept of women's sports because what the, patri <laughs> the patriarchy has established a fifth column to infiltrate the ranks of women and show women everywhere that men are better at everything. Now, in the old patriarch, in the old patriarchy, in the in the patriarchy that was heavily influenced by the Christian ethos, uh, the old patriarchs would say things like, "You know, there's some there's some things that women are just capable of doing that that we men just can't do. That's their domain. We have to we have to leave them to their domain. They can have babies better than we can. They can uh, they can do many things better than we can." And we should leave them that space. That was the old patriarchy. The new patriarchy, the neo-pagan neo neo-patriarchy, is saying that men are better at absolutely everything. They can outdo women at everything, including being a woman. Right? So not only can a man jump higher in the high jump than a woman can, not only can a man play chess better than a woman can, but a man can become a woman, say, hey, girls, let me show you how this is done, declare himself a woman, and be acclaimed as the woman of the year by our demented establishment. <laughs> uh, Bruce Jenner did that, and uh, Levin, that guy, that, that guy out of Pennsylvania, uh, who is seriously, obviously seriously disturbed, and he's in... <laughs> There's a guy you want to put in charge of your mental health, right? So uh, you've, got, you've got a nominee to the Supreme Court who is not wanting to answer that question in a way that would put her crossways 
from the rabid progressive leftist base, which has bought into the transgender worldview, the transgender debate. And they're saying a woman is whatever, (laughs) they're saying in essence, a, a woman is whatever a man says that he is. And so she she doesn't want to run afoul of that because then there'd be a, an intramural battle on the left over the appointee to the Supreme Court, and we're just going to avoid that, right? But consider how lame I'm not a biologist is, right? I'm not a scientist. I'm not a marine scientist, but I know the difference between a fish and a warthog. I, I know the difference between a whale and a cow, even though I'm, I'm not a marine biologist. I'm not a veterinarian. I know the difference between a cat and a dog. That's one thing. Uh, The other thing is uh, when she says, I'm not a biologist, she should have said, I'm not a gender theorist, right? Because what we're being told is that biology has absolutely nothing to do with whether you're a man or a woman. Why ask a biologist? The biologist will say, yes, this person has male reproductive organs and this person will have this person over here has female reproductive organs that's what a biologist would tell you and he and he could if he wanted to risk his career he could go on and say and this person with male reproductive organs is what has been traditionally known as a man and this person with female reproductive organs is what has been traditionally known as a woman but that's that's getting out on thin ice that's getting out on the skinny branches for him so uh, Brown's answer should have been, I don't know, I'm not a gender theorist, because biology doesn't tell you anything about whether someone is a man or a woman in this strange new world of ours. And if you think, uh, basically, I want you to understand that this was a question and an answer at a confirmation hearing for the highest court in the land which is is more than sufficient to let you know that our ruling class has gone absolutely barking mad. So continuing on with the podcast episode 234, we come to our martiology section. Our next martiological word is a hopox, meaning that it only occurs in the New Testament once. And that word is ekporneo, ekporneo. E-K-P-O-R-N-E-U-O, ekporneo. And it means to give oneself over to fornication, to surrender yourself to a dissolute lifestyle, to give yourself over to fornication. Clearly not good. And here's the one instance of it. In Jude verse 7, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay, Jude 7. So, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. There is our word, giving themselves over to fornication. So, that's clearly bad. But there's a striking thing about this verse and the, and the previous verse that we, we can take something away here. Uh, The thing that is interesting about this verse is that it's describing what the fallen angels in verse 6 had done, okay? So, in verse 6, it's talking about the fallen angels. This has relevance in the debate about the sons of God 
going into the daughters of men in Genesis 6. In Genesis 6, the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, looked on the daughters of men, saw that they were fair, and they married any of them that they chose, and they had children by them, and those children were the Nephilim, okay, giants. There is a debate within the Reformed world. I don't know if there, there's much of one elsewhere, but within the Reformed world, there are uh, those who say the sons of God there in Genesis 6 are descendants of Seth, and the daughters of men are the descendants of Cain. All right, so, and it's describing the apostasy of the intermarriage of the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain. Uh, but there's some, that take, just even uh, looking at Genesis by itself, that take leaves a number of questions unanswered, like, why giants then? Uh, why would the intermarriage of the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain, why would that produce giants? Another question that arises is, why is all the masculinity on one side and all the femininity on the other? Why are the sons of Cain producing just the daughters, and the uh, line of Seth is producing just the sons of God. Why is it all masculine on one side, all feminine on the other? And when they marry, when they do this, why, why Nephilim? Where do the Nephilim come from? So the other view is that the sons of God are celestial beings, uh, angelic beings, who look on the daughters of men, and it was a great perversion to, for them to have sexual intercourse with human women, and that, but that kind of intercourse accounts for the giants, accounts for the Nephilim. And yes, but, people say, Jesus says that angels can't marry. Well, Jesus doesn't say they can't. He says that they don't. Angels in heaven aren't, do not marry and aren't given in marriage. But in verse 6 of Jude, it says that the angels left their own habitation. But here's the key. Here's the argument. Jude says that these angels left their own habitation quote-unquote, even as the residents of the cities of the plain gave themselves over to fornication and to go after strange flesh. So, in verse 7, you have the, the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah giving themselves over to fornication, sexual uncleanness, and going after strange flesh, which in a completely human context, going after strange flesh is homosexual. So, when a man lusts after a man, He's going after strange flesh. Or when a man has sex with an animal, when he's guilty of bestiality, he's going after strange flesh. Now, grammatically, this is a tight grammatical argument. The angels in verse 6 left their own habitation in the same way that the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves over to fornication. In the same way, that the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves over to strange flesh. The angels in verse 6 were guilty of fornication. The angels in verse 6 were guilty of going after strange flesh, and this is why the Nephilim. All right, continuing on with the podcast, episode 234. The book review this time around is a book called Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. This is a book I've had for many years, actually, and I just recently decided to read it. Well, actually, I had it on my shelf for many years, and then 
decided to read it, and I, I'm reading it on my tablet. So I'm. It's one of the books that I got from my Logos Bible Software uh, library. So I'm reading it there. So Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. This is, uh, if you've never read a systematic theology, you know, one of those big Johnnies by Burkhoff or, you know, John Frame or, you know, those doorstop books. If you've never done that uh, and you want an introduction to systematic theology, this would be a good place to start. Apparently, Packer was uh, working on a project that didn't come to fruition for some reason. He was writing uh, notes, theological notes, for an edition of a study Bible that didn't come about. And then these notes were assembled in a, a small package, a concise systematic theology. So you'll have an entry on uh, the incarnation, an entry on you know, all, the di- all the big topics of theology. And generally, it's just a short page or two that, you know, one or two pages where he just encapsulates what the Bible teaches about this topic, and then this topic, and this this topic. It is a very, very good uh, intro to it. So, if you've not, if you've not had any experience with systematic theology, and you don't want to tackle re- starting off with reading some beast of a book, get this one, Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. It gives you all the great topics, all the high topics, all the, uh, you know, what does the Bible say about God, man, sin, salvation, revelation? What, what does the Bible say about these topics? Now, biblical theology is, biblical theology is not contrasted to unbiblical theology. It'd be better to say um, topical theology and narratival theology. So, biblical theology wants to work sort of within the chronology framework and development of the history of the text. And systematic theology or topical theology wants to assume Genesis to Revelation as a fait accompli as done. We have the whole Bible and we say, okay, looking at the whole Bible, what do we know about God from the whole Bible? What do we know about man? from the whole Bible? What do we know about salvation from the whole Bible? And those questions are addressed topically. And that's what Packer is doing in this concise theology. And it's a good, good place to start. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support this channel and the work of Canon Press, join up at Canon Plus. Just click the link in the show notes, create an account, and have a look around.